0: Welcome back or welcome to the Single Track Podcast. This episode bundles all of the pre-race interviews we did for the men's field at the 2022 Speedgoat 50K by UTMB taking place this coming Saturday, July 23rd at Snowbird Ski Resort outside of my hometown, Salt Lake City, Utah. We talk with David Sinclair, Jackson Cole, Adam Loomis, Joey DeFeo, and Morgan Elliott in this series. One note, this interview series is brought to you by Kodiak Cakes. If you use Single Track 15 at checkout, that's going to get you 15% off your next order. With that, let's get started. David Sinclair, welcome to the Single Track podcast.
1: Thanks for having me on. Pleasure.
0: This is our first time meeting, so I, I got to ask a couple pretty basic background questions. Look it like uh, looks like you cut your teeth on the East Coast Nordic skiing scene. Can you talk about that and maybe how that has contributed to what we'll ultimately get into, which is a lot of the success you've had in mountain ultra trail running.
1: Yeah, of course. I I grew up in Vermont uh, as a Nordic skier. So I was, you know, starting in high school training full time for Nordic and, you know, running. I'd ran cross country as kind of cross training. But uh, all through college, uh, went to school in New Hampshire, Dartmouth College. And we would always run uh, our long runs every sunday on the appalachian trail so we'd do somewhere between you know 10 and 18 miles on some of the gnarliest single track there is on the east coast oh, yeah. so that kind of wet my appetite for a uh, trail running you know we'd get pretty competitive and try to drop the other boys on the team every uh every sunday so that's kind of where i'd yeah got some experience for trail running and then after college when i was done skiing i uh yeah Started doing some road marathons, and then eventually figured out that there was a whole trail running, you know, racing scene, and yeah, basically haven't looked back since.
0: There are a lot of athletes in our sport, and I'll just name a few that come to mind. Courtney DeWalter, Garrett Heath, we just had Sophia Lockley on the podcast, she won the Broken Arrow 26K, Stephanie Howe, a lot of these people have backgrounds in Nordic skiing, and I'm wondering if you can identify any competitive advantages you've picked up from all those years in that sport
1: well I think just kind of the athlete that's drawn to Nordic skiing and then of course being a winter sport we're just cross training for a good you know three quarters of the year so we're always running biking roller skiing so you just kind of get an aerobic like a huge aerobic background from doing all sorts of cross training different sports and I think that translates really well having the versatility and the strength to, uh, yeah, to <clears> the trail running. So, um, yeah, I always love seeing a Nordic skier switch over to trail running and just kick butt against some of the, yeah, runners cool. with a more of a road background. You seem to, yeah, excel pretty well on like the steeper, the more gnarly, more vert there is, the better the Nordic skiers tend to do.
0: And it's amazing to me how quick the success comes too. Like, there's not that much of a learning curve. A lot of these folks, when they enter into the sport, they make an immediate splash.
1: Yeah, no, I know. Saw, I saw Sophia Laucle was signed up for the 26K at Broken I was like, wow, she's going to turn some heads. And yep, <laughs> she was even better than I thought she'd be. So are you based in, is it Truckee, California? Is that where you call home now? Yep. I've been out in Truckee for about two and a half years. And yeah, it's awesome out here.
0: What do you do for a living?
1: I work at a, a private high school called Sugar Bowl Academy that targets skiers. So it's mostly a a mix of uh, free skiing, alpine racing, and Nordic racing, and I'm a Nordic coach there primarily, but I also do some teaching. And yeah, going to be living in the dorm this year.
0: Very cool. So ample ample time to do uh, to pr- to pursue your own athletic goals throughout the day, throughout the week.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty privileged that we have a campus right right at the base of Sugar Bowl Resort, so we've got miles of single track out the door and. I'm lucky to get paid to uh, go out and ski and work with athletes every day. So it's it's an ideal setup for, yeah, being able to pursue some running on the side.
0: You had an absolutely awesome race at the Canyons 100K back in April. You battled with Adam Peterman basically the entire race, finished second, declined a golden ticket. But what impresses me the most is I looked at your Strava the week after and... You logged like a twenty hour week time on feet if you include like bike and stuff, and you put out like two pretty significant workouts as well, so do you just have like an insane ability to recover, and does that stuff not phase you?
1: um I mean I, I like to get out the door i I think there's a fine line between a, maybe overdoing it, so I, I was in probably the best shape of my life coming off like a huge winter of doing some skimo, a bunch of Nordic skiing. So just like huge volumes, so I was super fit, hadn't run a ton, you know, I've been, I started running like towards the end of March and tried to ramp up pretty quickly for canyons and it, you know, it went well The you know, I maybe made a couple mistakes in the race where I don't think I was ever going to beat Adam that day, but I was surprised how I felt pretty good within a couple of days. I think we still had snow. So like the day after the race, I was out coaching, skiing a little bit with the team and then. But like Friday of that week, I felt pretty good. But in retrospect, I probably overdid it because that next week is when I got my IT bands flared up on both sides. And it's been about, you know, I'm still dealing with that a little bit. So if I did it again, I would probably take a week or two completely off running. But, but yeah, I think, that, I think the Nordic skiing background just doing a lot of cross training helps, uh, with the recover and being able to get back to training pretty quickly. Mm. Well,
0: you're having a hell of a year. We just talked about your second place at canyons. You won the broken arrow 52 K speed goes up next. That's what we're here for. But I guess I have one more question. I'm curious, how do you organize your year in terms of peaking for particular races? Like, is there any overarching theme to the races you pick and, and what you care about the most?
1: I think you mentioned that I'm pretty versatile. i I like doing a wide variety of races. I think that the 50K seems to be more like my sweet spot, especially with the mountainous, a lot of vert. That's my favorite. And so, I know there's a lot of cool races out there to branch out, but uh, like Broken Arrow and Speed Goat have been, you know, two of my favorites over the years. So that led me to them. I've been interested in going up in distance. So I thought, you know, canyons being so close to home and living in Truckee was a great way to, you know, try to 100K and with that going well, I'm definitely interested in, you know, continuing to go up in distance. But I would, I would say I'm not the best planner where I kind of, you know, take it a month at a time, see how the training's going, how my body's responding. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I don't have I – t- I tend to not pick just, like, one race. I like to race a lot. I like to try a different variety of things. So I think cool. sometimes, like, mentally it's a little better not to have too much pressure to keep your options open so yeah so speed goat's one of my target races and then now with broken arrow i qualified for worlds. so i think the the big target for the end of the season is going to be to try to get on you know the podium at worlds for the adk in thailand
0: right on well you mentioned it you've been uh you've been at speed goat before you've had success here before you've ran fast times low low five hour ish what is the motivation to return to this race? What do you still have left on the table that you want to accomplish?
1: I'd like to win it again, you know. You got a course record in you? I think it's possible on the right day. I'm not going to go out there and say that I'm, I'm going to set a course record. I think it would take everything going, going perfectly on race day. That You know, the course record is stout and stout doesn't matter how your race speed go it's gonna it's gonna beat you up you're gonna be hurting for that last you know 10, 10 15 miles and yeah so after the first year I did it I was like oh I could I could race this so much better now that I know I'm getting myself into be a little more conservative and like I'd be 10 minutes faster no problem but after last year I tried to be more conservative and it hurt just as bad that last <laughs> 10 miles so yeah I'm not sure
0: Given the people that have been to this race, the Jim Walmsleys, the Michelino and the Antons, the Sages, uh, the course record I think is like 504, somewhere in that range. At this point, do you think we're shaving off seconds or is sub five hours ever possible at this race?
1: I'm sure if someone had a good day and they they really focus on it, like I think a, a Jim Walmsley type could just annihilate five hours, you know, you could maybe do 450 on the right day. Good weather, good pacing, and you have the legs. Wouldn't you say you're in that category, though, of Jim Walmsley? Uh, I, mean, I, I don't think I've ever beaten him <laughs> head-to-head. So, I think you got it, didn't you? I, I
0: mean, again, just as a fan of the sport, I think, uh, I think if the conditions are right, I don't think there's much snow on the course right now if it's cool enough. It could be interesting, with two, three, four miles left to go. Where do you think you have time to make up on the course? No, like knowing the course, what particular sections are you looking to improve
1: upon? Just the climbs on the back half. They're they're way steeper. They're pretty gnarly. Your legs are tired going in, and if you're if you're feeling good, fueling well, pacing it right, you can just you know pick up minutes for miles on some of those steep climbs in the back half. So that. That's where I'll be targeting sometime, you know, I don't, there's, you can easily run that, run that first climb a little faster, but I think it's going to pay that first climb and the big descent after are easy to get too excited and carried away.
0: What gear are you using on race day? Uh,
1: I've actually been kind, not set in stone yet. I'm, I'm tempted to run with poles this really? time because w- once your legs get tired those steeper climbs in the second half i think it might be useful so okay. to be to be decided yeah i've recently started working with dina fit so i'll probably be running in the ultra 100 shoe okay and right on yeah, bring a hydration vest
0: right on well man it's been great to chat uh like i said as a fan of the sport it's been fun to watch you make an impact That every single distance and you mentioned moving up at some point to like the hundred mile and that'll be exciting as well but for now we got speed goat so looking forward to seeing what you do and uh we'll link to all of your socials in the show notes anything else you want to leave the audience with before we go
1: no it's just been yeah i'm looking forward to the race feeling pretty good so uh thanks for having me on it's yeah great to be noticed and it should be a super competitive race so yeah, about, about a week out here right on well thanks again david talk soon Thank you. Have a good one.
0: Next up, Jackson Cole. Jackson Cole, welcome to the Single Track Podcast. Hey, how's it
2: going? Thanks, Finn.
0: We were just talking offline at the time of this recording. I think Dakota Jones is leading the Hard Rock Hundred Mile at Mile Fifty Eight, and the reason I bring that up is because you're wearing a Hard Rock shirt. We were just saying, yeah, um, with Francois and Killian in the race, this could be the greatest upset of the century, maybe. If he, can, if he can, if can hold it off, although he's a super talented and maybe underappreciated runner on the American scene in his own right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And he knows that course so well. That's his home mountain. Yeah. yeah.
0: Home mountain range. Maybe yeah. never bet against sentimental value and people mm-hmm. that are quote unquote, defending their homeland. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Um, well, cool, man. It is. It's great to have you on the podcast. We are uh, here today to talk about Speed Goat, which you're getting ready for in about a week. I think we'll come in hot on this interview. You have an interesting uh, description on your Instagram profile. You say, "I just want to drink beer and train like an animal." Yeah, totally. So maybe explain that to the audience a little further because that's awesome.
2: Yeah, so it's an old. So originally, I'm from New Zealand, and they have this. Uh, well, this guy Rod Dixon. That's his quote, and he was a famous middle distance marathoner runner from New Zealand uh, back in the '70s and '80s um he has like won silver medal or uh sorry bronze medal at the Munich Olympics um and then was uh he won the New York City Marathon he has this like crazy range but yeah, yeah his quote I just want to drink beer and train like an animal and I, I've all, ever since I I got into running and like reading about guys like Rod Dixon John Walker legends of New Zealand middle distance running and um yeah I've always like aspired to like that's my mentality i'd like i love beer drink beer like every day for sure and then just wake up in the morning and just like to crush it yeah it's cool
0: that's awesome man well a little bit more on your background you went to adams state and i think when a lot of people think adams state they think joe v hill they think um you know that the shout out that that school got in born to run if you're a trail running fan Mm -hmm. um yeah It sounds like you ran there for a bit in college. Can you talk about that experience and then maybe what then um, encouraged you, motivated you to get into trails?
2: Yeah, totally. Um, Yeah, I ran uh, Adams State from 2014 to about 2017 um, and just walked onto the program there, uh, made the time trial and was super stoked about that because I wasn't a great high school runner. Um, But they really... Like, I improved a lot in a couple of years. Um, but I think my biggest issue was just uh overtraining injury prevention. I, I had a, a, chronic, a chronic like Achilles tendonitis for about nine months my mm. junior year and just kind of lost a love for running and called it quits. But the cool thing about Adams State is that it's in the San Luis Valley, which is surrounded by the Sangre de Cristo mountains and the San Juan's on either side so it was pretty pretty quick that um I found the trails and also rock climbing climbing some of the 14ers here it it was a pretty natural progression for me and trail running is something I'd always thought I would get into but it just happened a little bit quicker than I had maybe anticipated going into college um but yeah and all my teammates are really supportive and um I'm glad that it happened when it did and it was kind of like a pivotal time and in, in my life it was like twenty twenty one, and you're mm. always like trying to find something to hold on to and running seemed like it was sort of i was sort of losing the love for it and trail running was something that i found right after that and so yeah super now it's like you know it's the only thing i want to do i would never run a road marathon <laughs> but i'd definitely run hard rock or utmb or something like that yeah
0: and if you if you had to put a label on your running right now, would you say that you're more active in the formal events and racing scene or do you see yourself as somebody that's uh, going at it alone in that FKT scene?
2: Yeah, um, I think that's where I was sort of coming from uh, for the past like three or four years. I think I've been focusing more on, yeah, the FKT scene. Uh, I really like the idea of like finding an awesome route with a lot of scrambling and then yeah, there's a lot of route finding involved. It's you could never host a race in an area like the Sangre de Cristo Mountains because it's all wilderness, um, and the terrain is really can be really intense. So uh, yeah, I like the FKT um, for that side of it. It's like more exploring, testing yourself in the mountains. Uh, but I'd say in the last, really in the last like year or so, um, I've been more focused on. On racing seems to be what excites me a bit more. I think the the whole FKT scene has kind of taken a bit of a, a shift in the last year, and I'm maybe not as excited about that, but I'm really excited about the direction that trail running and trail racing is going. So I thought I'd jump more into some races this year.
0: I can't let that go because it's a hot topic in our sport right now. What are what are some of the issues you take with the FKT scene right now?
2: Uh, I I just don't know if... It's like the, my biggest peeve is that there are like, there's some river trail that's 10 miles long and now that's an FKT. I think that when I was getting into it in 2019, 2018, it was like this, like uh, the only FKTs were these really classic routes, like up and down the Grand Teton and the Grand Canyon. And then ever since the website was created, it's created a lot of like dilution in the Mm. It's like, it doesn't mean anything to have an FKT anymore where I feel like it did um, earlier on. So, I mean, in a way it's really cool because it's getting like a bunch of people involved. But yeah, yeah, I'm no expert. I I don't know how to like go around that, but hopefully outside does some cool things in the future. I'm sure they have like a bunch of stuff in the pipeline. But um, yeah, currently it's like, just doesn't excite me as much as it did earlier. And maybe part of that is just like, um, like 26 and I'm starting to like handle training for trails a little bit more now. So I can like see myself doing well in some races, but
0: yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it's the, probably the most important question on the FKT scene right now is like, where do you draw the line? Um, on what's allowed to be created? Um, yeah, I mean, they
2: have guidelines. It's like, I think it has to be like, I might be getting this wrong, but it's like it has to have at least 500 feet of gain and five or six miles long, but that leaves a lot of room for interpretation. And yeah, you just get these random. Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to get too, like, I know, but this is so. I I,
0: I know, but this is super fascinating. And sometimes we go on tangents. I'll say one last thing. I think it's interesting because you think about the internet and how that's taken down a lot of barriers for creation like a lot of things are permissionless now like mm. i can start a podcast the same thing is starting to hit the fkt scene anybody can create an fkt just building a route on strava and stuff yeah. like that so which so. i mean
2: and, and i think it's really cool but it's just not the same like it's not as classic or competitive right. anymore no i think i'm so with it's you. just a little different
0: yeah yeah well cool um, we should get to speedgoat i'm curious yeah. uh, this is obviously a staple race in the American scene it's Carl Meltzer's creation um he's got household name recognition in the ultra world but what what draws you to this race what makes you want to step on the start line and compete and yeah just be there
2: uh I'd say it's there's two things that um I find really uh unique about Speedgoat and that's the 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 course that it's on it's so much vertical um which is I think maybe only the rut has more vert or maybe it's equal, but that's the big thing for me is that I think I can do well on a a course like that. Um, and then the competition side of things as well, like it'll be really cool to line up with some guys that I haven't raced before or that I have raced before, but have totally kicked my butt. So, uh, yeah, I'm just really excited about the competition and the, the course, yeah, it's classic. It's in uh, such a cool part of the country as well. And so you've been, you can you've been here that. before? Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. I mean, it's my backyard, yeah. but you've been here before, right? Like the, you, you were here three years ago. And so, yeah, what, totally. what, are, what are you, what are you <laughs> taking? What are you taking from that experience? What are you doing differently this time around?
2: Uh, a lot of things. I mean, I'm just like a completely different runner than I was three years ago. I think that uh, I, I mean, I remember getting like some sort of I, I, I used to have a philosophy of like not really eating or drinking water. And that that sort of uh, – I took that mentality into races as well. And then Spigot yeah. was really hot, and I remember getting just, like, absurdly dehydrated and uh, had, like, some hyponatremia at the end, like, throwing up and, yeah. Yeah, it's, like, laying on the side of the trail. So it was really gnarly. But, uh, yeah, I, th- I think I'm going to have my girlfriend out, and she'll be, uh, like, maybe handing handing me a bottle – um have like electrolyte mix uh and then just having a lot of races under my belt since then as well i think will help a lot but um yeah i don't honestly don't even remember the course that much because it was such a blur so it'll kind of be nice it it kind of feels like i'm going for the first time again
0: cool yeah um what are expectations for the race? Like has, has training been pretty smooth? And I guess I should ask first, like, is this a race that you're peaking for or is this a race that's part of a bigger plan?
2: No, um, I'll be peaking. Uh, yeah, kind of peaking for this race. Uh, uh, I think that, um, yeah, training's gone really well since like December. I feel like since moving to Flagstaff, um, it's been like a really positive experience. Like I've been able to train year round and, uh, in the Grand Canyon and down in Sedona in the winter where in yeah. Colorado that was never really an option yeah. um so I feel a lot fitter this year I don't think I've had like last couple of years I've put in like these like huge like month two month training blocks but then with like nothing really prior and then I'm super burnt out afterwards so this year has been kind of like no, no, no particular week has been crazy, but I've had really consistent training since December, so I feel really fit. And I think that, um, I think I'd hope to run in like the mid, like five hour thirty range, something like that. I think would be cool. a good goal for me. I and I'd like to be in the top three as well. So I don't know, if, you know, it looks like it's going to be really competitive, super fast course or super uh, fast competition. So. Um, yeah, I think top three would be my goal. Yeah.
0: Well, it's funny. You mentioned Flagstaff and yeah, if you're running in the five thirties, which would be awesome. I think that puts you right in contention for podium. Um, you mentioned Flagstaff. I just had a guy on this same series to interview his name's Joey DeFeo who ran it. Yeah. yeah, Good man. And I think he's going to be interesting. And then I'm not interviewing him, but Ryan Raff as well. So there's all sorts of people that like can come out of the Woolworks and yeah. potentially put up great performances. Like I think it's going to be a deeper field than people realize. Plus it's going to mm-hmm. be a UTMB event. So, um, yeah, I'm yeah, really going to
2: Yeah. Some names that I'm, I mean, they have kind of, a, now that it's not on ultra sign up, it's hard to see exactly who the, know. the main field is going to be, but just scrolling through the list, it was like, Oh yeah, it's going to be fast and really competitive. And there are definitely names that I've scrolled over that. I don't even know are racing. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, last question I have for you. I'm curious, what are you using for gear on race day? Like, do you have any shoe sponsors or pack sponsors or anything like that?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm sponsored by last sportiva. Okay. Uh, so I'll be wearing, uh, the last sportiva cyclone is your like trail racing shoe with the boa okay. technology. I wore that, uh, last or like three weeks ago for a race and it worked really well. Um, and then, yeah, other than that, just like a, just your typical running attire, just got like a nice last sportiva top and, uh, I really like John uh, G shorts, yeah. so gonna be wearing those.
0: Yeah. Cool. Well, Jackson, it's been great to get to know you. Stoked to follow your race next weekend. Yeah, thanks totally. For, thanks. Thanks. Thanks for adding to the entertainment at the front of the pack. And um, we'll make sure to link to all your social media in the show notes. Is there anything sweet. you want to leave the audience with before we go? Uh, go Dakota Jones. I know, right? Seriously. Yeah. You're <laughs> to so bookend it. Yeah. Sorry. Awesome.
2: Great well, chatting. Thanks, Ben. Right, bye.
0: Next up, Adam Loomis. Adam Loomis, welcome to the Single Track Podcast. Hey, thanks, Ben. It's an honor to be on here. Cool. Well, we got a lot of stuff to talk about with regard to the Speedgo 50K next weekend, but this is our first time meeting, and I think you have a pretty interesting background, and I was checking out your website and your Instagram, and it looks like your athletic career, your endurance career, was inspired by the 2002 Salt Lake Olympics. So can you talk about that impact and how it drove everything you've done to date
3: yeah that's pretty observant of you but that's uh when I really started kind of becoming an athlete I I grew up doing a variety of sports and I did take to cross-country skiing um and I watched the Salt Lake Olympics and was like oh hey Nordic combines a sport and that's what uh combines ski jumping and cross-country skiing um I grew up in Wisconsin and fortunately there was a club in my hometown so i was able to start ski jumping and really like dove right in and um within a few years it was like in combined to combine was what i did and um ultimately that's what brought me west
0: what does the lifestyle look like there because i know you've had a lot of success in that sport and correct me if i'm wrong but you got pretty close to a spot on the olympic team so
3: It. Yeah. I mean, I definitely had maybe more of a career than I would have anticipated when I was ten or twelve. didn't always feel like a lot of success, but uh yeah, I was able to be on the national team for six years um and at that point it's it's you know it's kind of one of those sports like trail running that's pretty tough to be your full time career, but like that's what we were doing for sure, and um a little bit of side hustle whether it's working in a restaurant, that kind of thing, yeah um. But uh, for sure, it was like, that was my job, was being an athlete, which is a, a pretty cool thing to be able to do.
0: We've talked with David Sinclair, who's also racing at Speedgoat next week. Obviously, he mm-hmm. has a pretty interesting background in Nordic. Erica Flowers as well. Right. I'm curious, uh, what ben- and maybe I'm the most curious about ski jumping. Are there any benefits from that sport that you see <laughs> carry over to ultra running?
3: Um, few and far between. Maybe in terms of physical um, abilities, Nordic combined is a pretty interesting sport because they're completely opposed. So training for cross-country in particular is kind of making it worse with ski jumping mm. um, in terms of like how your muscles work, slow versus fast twitch. Um, I do think that being a ski jumper, you learn to commit, you learn to overcome fear, and... Um, It's a pretty tough sport, like, mentally. Um, It's just there aren't that many people that it comes easy for. Even, you know, I might have had some success, but it certainly didn't feel easy. So that carries over.
0: That's super fascinating. When I talk with people who've come from, like, football or lacrosse or, like, other areas of Nordic skiing, they'll say, you know, maybe I have a really... uh, a high leg speed or i have a big aerobic engine and you're saying that the biggest takeaway was the mental benefits of like being able to commit in less fear that's absolutely fascinating
3: yeah definitely on the on the jumping side for uh cross country though obviously like we see tons of nordic athletes and a pure cross country skier is going to train a little more than a nordic combiner but a nordic combiner is still going to build a huge base that most people if even in if you're running in college, um, you know you develop the leg speed, but you're not doing necessarily quite the hours that a cross-country skier can do with lower impact. Mm.
0: You're based over in Park City, Utah. I'm in Salt Lake yep. City, and I like to think that those two worlds are connected in a lot of ways, but it's still a 40-minute drive to get over to Old Town. So <laughs> talk about what life is like training over there and, and the type of running you're doing in the lead-up to Speedgoat.
3: Um, yeah, so I live kind of on the jordan L side of Park City, um I work up at the Olympic Park. I'm actually there right now. Um so I'm able to get on trails pretty quick. I mean, I just finished up a run where I was up to the Crest Trail in an hour from the office. Um so it's maybe, you know, not quite as awesome as if you're at the base of Little Cottonwood or a couple places, but honestly it, it's pretty good and uh, this time of year when all the trails are open um you're able to get on i mean just so many trails and pretty easy to pop into the high country and like cruise over to Mill creek
0: yeah right on well i think one thing i'm curious about is your motivations for this year's speedgo 50k because you had a great race there last year you had a great race at the bear as well now that i think about it um that's a whole nother conversation but what are your motivations for returning to Goat this year
3: um, I mean, I really enjoyed the race in, you know, parentheticals because enjoy is maybe not the word for it, but, um, it, it's a cool race and it's kind of like the epitome of a mountain race in Utah. Uh, I mean, Wasatch is up there, of course, but there's that it, the timing of it works really well because, um, I put on an event next week that I'm um, basically, it's like my busiest week of the year or sorry, the week after speed Up. Um, so it's like a week where I'm forced not to run. So I might as well go into a tire. Um, and yeah, last year went beyond expectations, I would say, especially with the way I felt going in. Um, so I was hoping to come in a little sharper this year. Mm. Um, and kind of had some ups and down. I had, I had pretty good training from middle of May through June. Um, and Two weeks ago to a week ago was out with COVID, Um, so I don't know. We'll see. Are there any things
0: you're doing differently strategically in training this time around? Now that you know what you know about the course and the demands, and because I'm guessing the goal here is to improve on what you did last year, maybe a higher place, faster time, stuff like that.
3: Yeah. um, Well, I didn't race at all in June um, for a couple of reasons. Partly coming back from an injury in May, um, but also just to get a really good training block and try to progress in ways that I was never doing something that I'd be sore for three, four days. So I could, which I tend to do. I feel good, and I go mm. out and I beat myself up. Mm. Um, so just having some consistent load and definitely uh, trying to match vertical with it's pretty hard to do, but um, at least you know throughout a week rack up close to like the proportion of the speed goat. But like I said, it's tough to do.
0: Yeah, right on. Well, man, I'm curious because any chance I get to help prop up athletes in the local Salt Lake scene, I do it. I'm curious, you've had a ton of success here in the Wasatch. Um, Do you have any uh, longer term goals in the sport? Like are you going to go race over in Europe or compete for a race like Western States, anything like that?
3: Yeah, um, this year my plan is to run Run Rabbit Run which is, you know, a little more of a step up from the bear, typically. Um, long-term, I mean, everyone's dream, of course, is to get over to UTMB. Um, Western States, as also a ski mountaineer, doesn't have a ton of appeal. It's early and hot and a lot of running. Um, but I certainly fell on, uh, along with the hard rock those last 24 hours. And, yes. Um, that style i mean obviously everyone wants to do hard rock but like that style is definitely what gets me excited about mountain running
0: and i think a lot of races that i think there's a lot of races out there very similar to hard rock that are uh not quite in the public eye but they're getting there Um, Mm -hmm. like stand hope in ohio uh Mm -hmm. there's a couple other races in western colorado that have that similar build to them and um, anyways, I think that that's only going to become more popular in our sport too. Super excited! Yeah, exciting. for
3: sure. You don't, it's not just hard rack. There's actually a race in Quebec that I was considering in August. Um, what is that? it's the ultra trail chick chocks. Okay. Um, Dina fit puts it on, I run for them. So that was a consideration, but I think it's probably when I need to be training primarily for run rabbit run. So. Might be hard right to pull on. up this year, but it looks rugged.
0: Well, man, it's been great to chat. Last question I got for you. You said you're a DinaFit athlete. What shoes are you wearing on race day? What does DinaFit produce that's good for a course like Speed Goat?
3: Um, so the Ultra 100 has been my go-to. That, that I mean, I didn't take them off once last year in the Bear, and I raced Speed Go with them. Um, a little bit on the fence as to whether I'll wear the DNAs that are a little more of a, rip, a lighter ratio. <laughs> That'll be a yeah. game day decision, but I think either way it won't go wrong. It's tough cause it's a shorter race, but it's also 10,000 feet of vert on your leg. So it's kind of nice to have some cushion.
0: Um, I, I got to ask you this cause if I don't ask you this, I'm going to be kicking myself later. Caleb hmm. who paced you at the Barry last year mm-hmm. said that your run at that race was phenomenal. I think you ran like a top five or a top six time ever, but you weren't really that winded apparently. Like you, you got to the finish line and you were like, that was that but i'm not like buried by the effort so um is the 100 mile distance like a like a mountain hundred something that suits your skill set best
3: i think i think yes to your question that's that is kind of what um what suits me um but i definitely i had a day and not you know who knows that the next time or the next three times are going to go like that um and there were there were some moments for sure and I think if at any point you helicoptered me into 85 miles in off the couch, I'd probably be like, I am in agony. But I think I was just in a place where it felt kind of right. Um, so it's hard to say. I think to say it didn't challenge me would be a bit of an understatement.
0: Yeah. Well, anyways, man, I'm I'm super stoked to follow obviously your speed goat, but Run Rabbit as well, and. Um, hopefully uh we can help put you further on the map here beyond the salt lake scene and uh let's see we'll make sure to link to all your social media in the show notes anything else you want to leave the audience with before we go
3: no i appreciate you having me on and what you're doing um it's, uh, it's awesome right now how much you know media and excitement is coming out around the mountain and ultra world and you guys are doing a great job so I love it
0: Right on, brother. Thank you. And I'm sure we'll talk again at some point in the future. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks. Cool, man. Next up, Joey DeFeo. All right, Joey DeFeo, welcome to the Single Track Podcast.
4: Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. First podcast, so pretty cool.
0: Right on. And hopefully the first of many. It looks like you're going to have an interesting career in our sport. And I want to get into a lot of that. Um, I know this is supposed to be pre-race interview for Speedgoat, but uh, you have a a lot of fascinating things going on in your life. And maybe the first place we dive in is your background running at Northern Arizona University, which to anybody in the track and field cross-country uh, road space, it's a really well-regarded program in the U.S. And I'm curious, what was that experience like? And yeah, talk about that.
4: Yeah, it was a really cool experience. I mean, always Super awesome to have the honor to run at NAU. I mean, we won four national titles in the span of the whole time I think I was there. So four out of the five years, which was really awesome. I mean, couldn't have asked for a better uh, program to run at. I mean, there was like some rocky areas and also some like awesome areas. I mean, obviously you go into a program like that. I think they had won a title before I got there. So, I mean, you're thrown to the wolves immediately it's not going to be like a smooth transition where you get to just pick up where you were in high school. So I think, I mean, that's what I wanted though, going to NAU, just get my butt kicked every day. So it was pretty, pretty awesome to watch or to run under Coach Smith as well. He's a super awesome person to be coached by and just to watch other people around me develop, people who, I mean, they're awesome runners now as well. So it was definitely really cool to run for NAU.
0: What events were you specializing in?
4: Uh, so mainly, I mean, I didn't really run track as much. I was always getting injured. It turns out from, uh, from winter. So I never really had a full track season. So it was mainly cross country, but I would have probably done 5k and and 10k.
0: Well, one thing I'm always interested about especially with these programs that are situated in the mountains. So like NAU, uh, what is it? Portland state or university of Portland, UC Boulder, when you're running at that program, like, how do you avoid the allure of the trails? Like, were you like chomping at the bit when you graduated to get on trails or?
4: Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. That's actually, that's actually funny. Cause I mean, I got to Flagstaff, and I mean, I had no recollection of any, or knowledge of anything regarding trail running or ultra running before college. I mean, my dad was getting into it a little bit, but it was more for like a hobby thing for him, just something he liked to do. And I, I used to like make fun of it and was like, I'm never running that far. Like that's, that's stupid. Like I'm not doing that. So, I mean the first maybe almost two years of college, I didn't like do any of that kind of stuff. And then I started to realize like, Hey, I'm pretty good at like climbing and, like I would always I wasn't I wasn't the best at like track workouts and those kind of workouts compared mm-hmm. to everybody else, but I mean we would do like hill climb a hill climb once a season and then long runs I knew I was always able to hang with the top guys even though they were the ones who would smoke me in a race. So it that's when I started to realize like, hey, like this is a pretty cool thing and then you start to hear about people like Jim Walmsley and Flagstaff and all those people and even Coach Smith ran professional trails for a while as well too for Patagonia so he was a he was an influence as well and then Mm. you start you start getting in I think I went on my first big trail run with uh, Stephen Kirsch up around the, the San Francisco peaks here I think maybe junior year and I was just hooked after that and it was it was hard to to find the balance of oh I still run for NAU and but I really want to do this stuff so I didn't actually finish my full eligibility at NAU. I decided to to pursue trail running a year earlier than I would have finished my eligibility just because I wanted to get a jump start on that and have an extra year under me before, before it felt like I really need to start making a name for myself.
0: I was just going to say, I was scrolling through your Instagram, and it must have been a post you made in early 2021, but you said that, quote, you were... Uh... You're taking a chance on yourself, stepping into the ultra world, and it's it's interesting to me that you deliberately made that choice. Like, there's probably a lot of folks in your position that would say, "Yeah, let's see what I can do post-collegiately on the roads and the track." But you're deliberately making that move into the trails, and uh, a part of me wonders, like, as our sport gets more popular, how much more common that's going to be. Um, but a question I have for you: I see that you're wearing a Coconino you know, Cowboys T-shirt, <laughs> which is awesome. I mean. <laughs> That that training group has. There's so much lore around that training group in our sport, especially in the last three to four years. Can you talk about the influence that people like Jim Walmsley and Kirsch and Sensman and Hayes and all those guys have had on you? Like, are you training with them pretty frequently?
4: Yeah, I mean, I like I said, I I ran with or I messaged Kirsch on Instagram. I think I was like, hey, you want to run? Like, this was this was like three, four years or three years ago, probably. And he was welcoming and let let a junior in in college run with him. And then I think once he realized I was pretty serious about it, I, I, I was like, hey, if you guys don't mind, could I come hop in on some training runs with you guys and really get a feel for the whole ultra and trail scene? And they were super welcoming and welcoming me in. And so I started running a lot with Steve and Jared and Eric and Tim and Jim as well sometimes. I think Jim started doing some different types of races so it was it was more like steve jared eric and tim but they were like super welcoming and it was it definitely made what could have been a super difficult transition a lot easier and yeah i do still train with those guys a lot i mean i've been running with steve a lot because he's training for more mountain races i know jared was training for western states so he wasn't doing as much mountain stuff as i've been doing this summer but yeah over the past two years i've been running a lot with those guys and they've really been a huge influence on me and on bringing me into their not just running wise but as well as like a friendship with those guys so yeah it's been a huge thing so i'm very grateful for that
0: it must be a great barometer too because if you can hang with those guys on workouts and long runs or even just be in that stratosphere uh you can probably feel pretty confident knowing that whatever start line you're on Uh, you're probably going to be in the mix or at least you have the potential to be in the mix.
4: Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you go out, run up some of these mountains here and you know if you're able to hang with like Jared and Steve and those guys on a big climb. And I mean, Jared's the second fastest runner at Western States ever. So it's super confident knowing like, hey, I train with probably four of the best ultra runners in the U.S. right now. So, I mean, it's definitely very... Very, a big confidence booster for sure.
0: Have they imparted any ultra running wisdom on you in recent months or years that you've uh, taken to heart and applied to your training and racing?
4: Um, Probably. I think definitely, definitely to like not rush into things too quickly. And I think that's what I've tried to hold back on a little bit because it would be easy to go shoot for all these super big races that maybe maybe are too long right now for my, for how young I am. I mean, I'm only 23. So, but they definitely, I mean, I was going to do speed go last year and they, they just told or Jared was like, Oh, that's a pretty big race to do. And that's maybe, I think it might've been my like second ultra. And I think looking back on it, that was probably a smart idea. And so they've definitely been very helpful and I've been comfortable enough to ask them all the questions I would need to ask them.
0: Right on. Well, you have already, uh, stepped into the fire competing at some of the most, uh, prominent races on the U S circuits. You were at black Canyon back in February, you were at broken arrow last month. And, uh, I think the question I want to ask you is, um, again, you mentioned on your Instagram after broken arrow, that speed goat is where you apply the missing pieces from that race. And you had a pretty great finish there. I think you were top 10, seventh overall. So, um, what are you looking to recoup at speed go? Like, what are, you, what are you building upon?
4: Um, I think, I mean, I got, I mean, part of the reason I, I didn't finish Black Canyon because I got injured, like, probably 10 days before, and then the injury flared up pretty big on race day. And so that forced me to take nine weeks off between Black Canyon and where I want to build up for Broken Arrow. So, I mean, looking back on my training after Broken Arrow, I can probably piece together... I think I, it was probably three weeks that I could say I was decently happy with. I mean, two of those weeks were the most vert I've ever done in my life, but not the mileage I would be looking for. I mean, I've I've found the, the balance between big vert and big mileage has been difficult since leaving college, but I think, yeah, it's, so like three weeks in there were something, were weeks I would say like, okay, that's like good weeks, but but not the type of buildup you would hope for before a race. So I think going into speed go, I just wanted, I took an easy week after broken arrow. And then I was like, I wanted to hit two weeks, like really hard. And cause I know broken arrow, the problems with broken arrow were the second, it was a two loop race. So the second, the climbs on the second loop, I definitely didn't have the legs for, mm. and I could, I think I can chalk that up to just a short training block. So, uh, I've hit two pretty hard weeks. And I mean, the, the goals with those two weeks was to do big runs after already being exhausted to make sure my legs could climb when I'm exhausted. Cause mm. Speed I mean, Broken Arrow was a big vert race, but Speedgoat seems to be a completely different monster. So yeah. And i I mean, another huge thing was also figuring out this whole power hiking thing. I know it was pretty funny at Broken Arrow cuz i i mean i can climb really well but i think when i get tired like i can't power hike it's just a walk like if i can't run it's a walk yeah so i've definitely been i mean i don't i haven't figured out power hiking whatsoever don't get me wrong but I think i've i've done enough to the point where i'm not going to be walking <laughs> if i'm tired i think i can put together a decent power hike to not lose a bunch of time on people
0: what is the ultimate draw for Speed Goat, like why are you inspired to run this race? What made you want to sign up?
4: I think just after Black Canyon I figured maybe take a step back from the longer stuff, longer stuff so to speak, and do some stuff that I think fits my comfort zone, which is climbing more. So I was like what what are two big races I could do climbing wise? Broken Arrow seemed like a good tune up and speed Goat seemed like a good A race to hit. Seems like it's probably the, if not one of the, if not the most biggest uh, mountain race in the U.S. So it seems like a pretty obvious choice for me. And I know talking about like wisdom from the Cowboys, they've told me like sign up for races that have big history and big racing. Uh, Like you go back in results and like good people have run these races. Because that's how you're going to get your name out there. So that was the allure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's cool that, like this year, for example, Speedgoat is a UTMB sponsored race. So, in addition to experiencing the event, if you have aspirations, for example, to go over to Chamonix and you want, like, I guess they're calling it like a ticket to OCC, which is like the 50K (laughs) World Championship, there's that opportunity. Um, Yeah. What are your expectations heading into this race? Like, training is going fairly well. You're building confidence in areas that might've been weak earlier in the year. Are you somebody that wants to be in the mix at the front? Like, how do you race this thing?
4: Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I mean, I've got a lot of confidence after Broken Arrow. Just, I mean, even though it wasn't the day I would have asked for, I think that first loop of that race made me super confident that I think I can climb with pretty much anybody out there. So if I can put together the second half of a race, I really, would 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 like to be top three hope maybe win it on a perfect day but definitely top three and i i think the biggest thing for me is to stay patient in the beginning because after broken era that first five miles of that race like i felt amazing and i should i should have probably stayed a little more cautious and yeah. slower so i think i think my strengths when I run smart will be the end of the race. So I'm hoping to be there at the end of the race and hopefully I can, I can push some climbs at the end to make people hurt. So
0: we were talking about it earlier in the podcast and your situation really excites me because you're part of this new breed of trail runners, in my opinion, who as soon as their collegiate career ends or in your case, even slightly before it, in terms of eligibility, your default is to the trails instead of to the roads and the track. And I think that that's only going to become more popular. That's my prediction um, as our sport grows. So I'm curious, what are, uh, do you think at all about long-term goals in the sport and how long you want to be around and just how much you want to invest in in your time here?
4: Yeah, I think I think about it a lot. And I know one of the big, big reasons for leaving NAU was like, I don't want to go to the trails just to go run some like 20 K's or 30 K's and that kind of stuff. Like if I'm going to the trails, I want to go and run these big long races. So I think, uh, black Canyon was a, a little bit of a wake up call to make maybe look at like, okay, take the summer, like run some shorter distance wise races, even though, I mean, speed goat's going to end up being five plus hours, which isn't, by all means short, but I definitely look at the future a lot. And I know, I know my future is 50 miles and above for sure. So, I mean, once the whole cycle comes around next year, I'll be back in a golden ticket race. Not sure which one yet. And I'm for the foreseeable future, the, the spring of each year, we'll be trying to get into Western States via a golden ticket for sure. So,
0: Last question I have for you. This is a little bit of an odd question, but we do, for context, we do like a pre-race predictions analysis episode. And there's a guy that came on my radar, Ryan Raff, who I think is also an NAU guy. Can you provide any info on the training he's doing for this race? And it looks like he signed up for Black Canyon too, so he's doing similar stuff.
4: Ryan's a real good friend of mine for sure. He's, He's another guy who can just grind out some long stuff. I mean, I know he's still running cross-country for NAU in the fall, so I'm not sure. I think think he's still following Smith's training this summer to what it seems like. I mean, I know what Smith's summer training is like, so it looks like it's pretty similar. I mean, he's throwing in some some bigger vert days, though, too, to get ready for speed goat, but he's definitely someone to watch out for for sure. He can definitely climb really well, and he, he can definitely handle a lot of miles, so... Uh, he's definitely someone to look out for for sure.
0: Well, this is a super exciting time in the sport. I appreciate you adding to the mix of it all on the competition side of things. We're excited to watch you on uh, on Race day. I'll make sure to link to all your social media in the show notes. Anything else you want to leave the audience with before we go?
4: Uh, I mean, thanks for having me. I'm really really excited that you reached out and it makes me feel like I'm definitely doing something right so far. so, Appreciate you allowing me to come on, and I'm really excited to get out there next Saturday. Cool. Well, thanks again, and we'll talk soon. Thank you.
0: Next up, Morgan Elliott. Morgan Elliott, welcome to the Single Track Podcast.
4: Hey, thanks for having
5: me.
0: This is our first time meeting, so I figure some background questions are in order. I know just from a little bit of research that uh, you were nomadic earlier in your mountain running career, but Where are you based now?
5: Yeah, right now living in Salida, Colorado, but yeah, living nomadically was the best days of my life.
0: Like were you, were you all in on like the van lifestyle and just going after the best trailheads and, uh, yeah, whatever the best time of the year was for running, you'd you'd be there. Yeah.
5: Yeah. So did a lot of seasonal jobs. Um, those were like, uh, back in 2017, 2016. Um, worked hard in the winter and then summertime came along I just played I was so good Uh, a lot of it in Colorado a lot of it wherever the races were just sleeping at the trailhead and waking up early and dunking in the rivers to wash off but those were good times
0: what's the pitch for Salida, Colorado what makes it such a great place to uh, get ready for a race like Speed Goat for example
5: I think it's You know, you have the Arkansas River uh, flowing right through Salida uh, and the atmosphere of the mountains in the distance, which are just a really quick drive to to get up to high alpine. Uh, It's just a really an inspiring place to be a mountain athlete because in the winter you can go skin up and go on Monarch Mountain and get some laps in or you could come down to the valley and run some dry trail. So it's a pretty special area for all sorts of sports.
0: I know that at one point in your career, you were invested in hundred K distance, hundred mile distance, you were pursuing golden tickets. Western States was a priority. Uh, Can you talk about why you've made the return to sky running and races like speed goat?
5: Yeah, uh, I think Western States, that was all kind of accidental, which was funny. I uh, just really did 100-mile races on a win because I got a golden ticket, <laughs> and that was from the Georgia Death Race. But uh is always just trying to do things that were challenging and uh, technical and steep. Um, so Western States kind of took the wind out of those fast technical trail, uh, Took took that out of me, so I focused on the 100 miles for a while. And then after some injuries and that, I'm like, you know, what? I just want to go back to what started it all um, and went back into like the trail um, to the mountain uh, scene and it just relit the flame of why I do what I do. And it's just fun to zone into that trail and be really conscious of foot placement and where you're at, usually high alpine. Um, it's, it's very enjoyable for me. So it's just refreshing to be back where it all kind of started.
0: And just looking at what you've done so far this year, you've demonstrated a lot of range. Like I think you just secured a spot on the U S mountain running team at the Whiteface mountain sky races to go to Thailand in the fall. So is that going to be after speed goat, uh, a pretty major priority in your training?
5: Yeah, that was really awesome. Um, kind of last minute <laughs> decision to go on out to that race. Uh, but, Really, the focus this year is not uh, the U.S. team. It wasn't the focus to go to Thailand. The focus is actually to go to Madeira for the Golden Trail Series. So the Golden Trail Series has been the focus of 2022 for me.
3: Because
5: mm. okay, so you're uh, not going
0: to take that spot. You're not going to go race in Thailand?
5: Oh, I'm absolutely going to go. <laughs> Definitely will. Um, <laughs> but the main focus for me was the Golden Trail Series in Madeira in October. Um, yeah, the Thailand is going to be the cherry on top for me, uh, settling for November 6th over in Thailand is going to be a great, uh, season closure for 2022.
0: Right on. Well, let's talk about speed goat. I'm curious what drew you to this race. What's the inspiration? There's a lot of different mountain running events on the calendar in the U S. So why pick speed goat?
5: Speedgoat's been uh, a race I've been wanting to do for a long time since I've been, since I've heard about it. How competitive it is is the main draw. Carl uh, Metzler puts it on. That's another draw. It seems pretty badass. Um, and <laughs> it never really fitted well with the US Skyrunning series. They were never part of the series um, back in 2016 and 17. So I never did it. Uh, there was other races I had to focus on. Um, but this year, when I <laughs> ultra sign up went off telling me that uh, you can I could apply uh, to get in sign up, I was like, yeah, why not? And I actually signed up when I was injured uh, in the winter. So I'm trying to remember when registration was, but yeah, I wasn't even running then. Um, so it was kind of a shot in the dark, and I'm just my motivation of getting healthy was, hey, let's do this Broken Arrow race, let's do Speed Goat. Um, yeah, let's well, just go for it.
0: What kind of fitness are you in right now? Like, is this a race where you think if you're having a good day, you're capable of being on that podium or even winning the race?
5: So, I mean, definitely there's going to be some great guys showing up. Um, So it's going to be a name that I'm throwing in for myself uh, against these other guys, but my fitness right now, I mean, I'm not at peak fitness. (laughs) The way I started my training, has been a little bit later in the year. Uh, Unfortunately, I think, yeah, it was like mid March is when I started running um, this year. So getting a little late start, (laughs) but uh, I think definitely if I have a good day trying to run uh, just around that six hours, sub six hours would be incredible. Uh, That would be kind of where my target range is, but yeah, just kind of depends on who's showing up. I'm going to race them and Yeah, definitely the goal and the drive is to take top three. Uh, Top three get a slot into CCC for 2023. Um, So that's going to be a big draw to wanting the podium at this race.
0: In a racing environment, are you someone that likes to uh, take energy from those around you and kind of follow uh, where the pack is going? Or do you just like to run your own race and... Wherever that puts you, so be it.
5: hundreds. It's easy to do that being your own race, uh, and sit back and still have that awareness of where the leaders are and just have that confidence in yourself that you can reel them in 50 K you don't have so much of that ability. It's good to know who's in front, but you definitely have to be conscious and aware to not let them get too far ahead. Um, so as much as you want to run your race, it's a balance. So you're going to have to also keep in mind you want a podium, you know, target for top, like target to win it. You're going to have to keep an eye on that leader and not let him get away from you. And that might make you run a little bit more uncomfortable and push where you're not normally wanting to push. But if you let him get too far ahead of you, you know, you might not be able to reel him back in at the later stage of the race. So I would say, yeah, you've got to race the pack on um, as much as you want to run your own pace. Um, yeah. You're of have to be in it for competing with the, whoever's in it.
0: What, uh, what gear are you using on race day? Do you have any shoe sponsors or pack sponsors, anything like that?
5: Nope. I'm not sponsored by anybody uh, at this time. So I get free game of whatever I want, but I'm, Definitely using what I trust and believe in, but yeah, I think I'm going to be throwing on the Tectons still debating the Hoka Tectons. It's going to be some off trail at this race. So that's going to be a question. So still kind of up in the air, but probably Lakey trekking poles and a naked running vest. That's going to be my combo for the day.
0: Right on. Well, Morgan, we are excited to watch the race unfold Uh, next weekend. I'm stoked that you're in it. I think you add another layer of excitement to the front of the pack. And uh, yeah, we appreciate your time. I'll make sure to link to all your social media in the show notes. Is there anything you want to leave the audience with before we go?
5: No, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a crazy, fun day. Uh, I hope people can follow along and see what happens. But uh, if you see, (laughs) you see me in the back, don't, don't cross me out. I, I'm definitely one that likes the negative split. I like to close hard. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be a fun day, but yeah, just have a smile on your face, enjoy the moment and surprise yourself.
0: Cool. Well, thanks again for the time, Morgan. Great to meet.
5: Yeah. Thank you, Finn, for uh, the opportunity to be on the show.